What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Cut. Sean, Christian, and Randy are here for all of your mediocre fantasy football boys. Christian, Randy, how we doing, boys? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, tuned into this Monday night game, hoping that I win my last fantasy matchup of the week. Yeah, I don't know if this is something you want to look at and be happy about. This game is uh, something. Randy, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Just getting having some computer troubles, getting yelled at for ten minutes by you two, but uh, I, I'm doing fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have to have my week riding on this game right here. That'd be awful. Yeah, I'm, luckily I don't have any of the players. It's just they're facing me, so I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the only thing I really have hanging in the balance is the I'm going against the Bears defense. Hopefully, they don't score 14 points because I want to beat Jason, my district manager. I would feel pretty terrible if I didn't. So we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us. This is The Cut. We're presented by Anchor. If you'd like to support the podcast, just shoot us an email at officialcutpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Cut FFL. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We are on all of those platforms now. Uh, what we're going to go over today, we're going to do a little bit of a week three recap, kind of go through what happened uh, yesterday and on Thursday night as well as uh, maybe touch on a couple things for tonight's game. We're also going to go through the waiver wire pickups of the week. We're going to give you our worthy waivers to Christian, Randy, and I think are the best choices if you're looking for somebody to pick up coming into week four. And then we're going to introduce a new segment called to tilt or not to tilt. Uh, this is going to be an idea of guys that have possibly. And so we'll get into that a little bit later. Christian, I understand we have a review of the week to go over today. Yeah, we're going to be doing this thing where we read any reviews that you leave us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Um, this week, we have one from NFH2011, um, and this person says, Great points of view and plenty of information to set you up for success in your personal fantasy team. The added com in comedic takes from each of these guys makes it a pleasure to listen to. You won't be disappointed. Thank you very much, NFH2011. Um, if you guys want to leave us a review, you may be featured on next week's episode of The Cut. So stay tuned to that. Make sure you're subscribing to us on all of our platforms. Yeah, as always, we thank you for that. Um, and we'll go ahead and get right into our week three recap, starting with the Thursday night game, Titans and the Jaguars. A couple things to note here. Derrick Henry did have 17 carries for 44 yards and a one-yard touchdown. Um Delaney Walker, seven catches for 64 yards on nine targets. Randy, I think this is going to be a little bit of a difficult offense to trust week to week with not a lot of skill players in the receiving core and Marcus Mariota just being mediocre. Are you kind of on the same page with that? Yeah, I mean, I, we knew going into the season that the Titans weren't going to be the killer offense. They were going to lean on Henry and hope he goes for 100 yards for the win. That's basically all. I mean, this is a hard game to go by because both defenses are good and they just sold out for the run. Yeah, and it's a lot of game scripts with Derrick Henry. Whenever the Titans are leading, that's when he tends to get the ball. But anytime they're behind, it's really Deion Lewis that comes into the game because Derrick Henry doesn't really do much in the passing game. And I think the Titans aren't that good of a team for the a yearly outlook. So I think that Derrick Henry might not get the amount of touches that you would necessarily want out of him as an RB2. On the Jaguars side, uh, one thing to note here, Leonard Fournette had 15 carries for 66 yards. You look at that stat line and you think that that's a decent fantasy performance. That pretty much all came on a 69-yard carry in the fourth quarter. So before that, he had negative four yards on 14 carries. That's not good. His volume is still the dominant factor, which means that it's going to always total out to fantasy points. So he is probably on the top tier of the uh, RB2 borderline. But if he's not going to get into the end zone, you're going to have a lot of these 12, 13-point games. And I know you're going to be a little bit, little bit disappointed for where you would have drafted him. DJ Chark, four catches for 76 yards and a touchdown on five targets. Christian, is he good to trust as a wide receiver three now going forward? I guess so. Um, I definitely didn't think so. I, I declined a few offers from, from Randy, actually, for DJ Chark because I didn't believe in him. Um, but he definitely looks like Gardner Minshew's favorite target. So I, I think you have to trust him as a wide receiver three moving forward. Yeah, he seems like a guy that we've talked about each recap week, uh, doing something 
first week, obviously when Minshew came in after Foles got hurt, and then the week two and week three. So he's probably safe to deploy as a wide receiver three. D.D. Westbrook had nine targets on Thursday, but only had five catches for 46 yards. So while that's a little bit better, it doesn't look like he's going to be targeted as much out of the slot as you would want him to be. So it is probably uh, D.J. Chark as the wide receiver one out of there with Gardner Minshew going forward. We'll go ahead and move on here to the Bengals and the Bills. Uh, Joe Mixon had a bounce back game. It did seem like he was healthy after coming into the game with a uh, ankle injury. 15 carries for 61 yards. Did have a one-yard touchdown catch. Two total catches for 34 yards. Uh, the thing to note, too, Giovanni Bernard didn't really play much of a role in the backfield. Only five total touches. So Joe Mixon is just based on volume, probably on the wide, or running back two to running back one border. There are going to be some big weeks ahead. I think their matchups get a little bit easier, um, but he should be okay as a uh, running back too. And Tyler Boyd, six for 67 on 11 targets. John Ross was really quiet with only two catches, uh, two catches for 22 yards on six targets. He's probably a touchdown dependent wide receiver four. Uh, Randy, do you, expect Tyler or John Ross to be anything more, uh, especially with AJ Green's return looming? No, I don't. I mean, he's their deep threat. I mean, I, th I don't think he can be mad about the production from John Ross this year, a guy that did nothing for his entire career. I, I, I'll, I'll back that up. I think the only way you can be mad is if you went and spent like 40% of your fab budget to get John Ross. Um, I don't know why you would have done that. Yeah, but, no, I told you to do that. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I feel like there's probably some people who did after his, his two big games to start the year. Um, I, I think that you're still going to have those big games, um, but they're going to come a little fewer and uh, further between. So, Yeah, and like, like I said, you do have A.J. Green uh, lurking in the background, and once he comes back, he's – definitely going to be the main target you've seen it he's one of the best he's one of the most talented wide receivers in football and obviously he's had Andy Dalton as his counterpart for a while Randy what were you seemed like you were about to say something there yeah sorry uh the only we gotta try and just model this after the Rams receiver core here that's where Zach Taylor came from that's what he knows and by that you're hoping for a b-rated Brandon Cooks from John Ross and obviously, AJ Green is going to take over more of a Robert Woods kind of lead guy role. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know if the quarterback play is necessarily the same for the Bengals with Andy Dalton as it is with the Rams for Jared Goff, but that's a fair comparison when it comes to the weapons that they have. Looking at the Bills side, Josh Allen was a popular streamer this week 23 for 36, 243 yards. A touchdown and an interception did add in nine rushes for 46 yards. Um, Frank Gore, 14 carries for 76 yards and a one-yard score with Devin Singletary being out with a hamstring injury. He's probably okay to play as an RB3 next week if Singletary's out again. But if Singletary comes back, then his value obviously diminishes. And uh, John Brown, four catches for 51 yards. A lot of people... We're starting him as a top 20 play this week. They were a little bit disappointed. He's going to be somewhat of a week-to-week -week question mark, but his floor is still probably wide receiver three. Christian, I know you're a big John Brown guy. Does that 4 for 51 performance affect you at all in your thought process, or are you still okay with him? I'm still okay with him. I think that he's still going to be the number one option for Josh Allen. Um, it just – I mean, it, it was an average game. It wasn't what you wanted to see, but – it, four for 51 still isn't bad. It's not like he, he put an egg up. So um, I, I think you'll see more of the week one and two John Brown than you will week three. And as we're talking, the Bears return Casey Keenum's first pass for a touchdown, and I'm hitting everything. Yeah, I was laughing when it happened. Sorry. Yeah, and my district manager just texted me too. So that's fun. <laughs> Moving on to the Dolphins and the Cowboys. Not much really to talk about again with the Dolphins. There's not really a lot of fantasy production that you're going to look at. I know Christian's boy, Preston Williams, did have four catches for 68 yards on 12 targets. Probably a name to keep an eye on moving forward with Josh Rosen as a quarterback. If you own Kalen Bellage, you can go ahead and drop him. 
Uh, I know some people were hoping against hope that he would possibly take over for Kenyon Drake at some point. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. And you probably don't want to play either of those Dolphins running backs anyway. Looking at no. looking at the Cowboys side, Zeke, 19 carries for 125 yards. So it did look like he had more of a normal workload versus the first two weeks. And Amari Cooper showed out six catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets. He's probably the only wide receiver you can trust right now until Michael Gallup comes back. Randy, I know that some people were possibly thinking that Randall Cobb could have a lot of short passes, but he was only two for 23. He's probably not a guy you want to start if Gallup's out next week, right? No. I always thought if you're going to start one of these backups, it would be Devin Smith because Cobb's their slot. And they run. They don't run wide receiver three sets all the time because they run the ball too much to do that. Yeah, and especially with Zeke, Zeke running well for 125 yards, and Tony Pollard added in 100 yards and a touchdown. He's if you're a Ezekiel Elliott owner, you probably want to own Tony Pollard as a handcuff just in case Zeke goes down because Tony Pollard could potentially be a league winner if you have him and something happens to Zeke. I know. Uh, once the whole contract holdout stuff went away at the last week before the regular season, he was being drafted top four picks. If he goes down, then Pollard could definitely be a guy that you want to start week in and week out in that Cowboys offense. Looking at the Broncos and the Packers, um, Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman did almost have an exact even split. Royce Freeman did leave the game for a brief period with a shoulder injury. Philip Lindsay, 21 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. Also caught four balls out of the backfield for 49 yards. Royce Freeman, 15 carries for 63 yards. Christian, are both of these guys startable? Um, I don't think that you want to start them as RB2s. Um, I'd be okay tossing either one of them in an RB3 or a flex. I'd be more confident in Freeman, but I don't really know how that Injury is going to affect him moving forward. I don't really know the status update. Do, do either of you guys know? It didn't no. seem like anything came out after the game. That's definitely something that we want to watch in the practice reports this week. But I agree. Um, I just think on a simply talent basis, Royce Freeman is more talented than Philip Lindsay. But it seems like the Broncos like to give the ball to Lindsay in short yardage situations. So it's tough. Obviously, an injury, like we talked about last week, an injury is something that's going to uh, vault one of these guys up to RB2 status if the other one wants to go out. But for now, they're probably flex plays until that backfield starts to cloud a little bit less. Uh, I'm- yeah. Hold on. One, one thing I wanted to say there is for, this is the second year. How this is shaken out is Royce Freeman is the talented back. He's way more talented, higher draft capital. But Lindsey's the pro-ready one. So as time goes on, maybe by the end of this year, Freeman's going to take over. If you're in Dynasty, you want Freeman out of these two. Yeah, you have to think that's that. You have to think that's coming. With again, I talked about it last week when Royce Freeman was drafted. John Elway could not stop talking about him. He was John Elway's guy, and you have to think that plays a role at some point. Even with the success that Philip Lindsay has had early in his career, being an undrafted rookie and coming into this season. On the receiver side, Cortland Sutton, five catches for 87 yards on eight targets. Emmanuel Sanders was shut down for two catches on 10, or I'm sorry, two catches for 10 yards on four targets. And I know Christian talked about how he was a sell high guy going into this week. That probably stands, and it's probably something that his matchups don't get any easier uh, going forward. So he's someone that you want to take a look at. If, if you get a trade offer for him, at least exercise it. See what see what people are looking for, and maybe you can get him get rid of him before he continues to disappoint. On the Packers side, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Boy, Matt Lafleur wasn't wrong when he said he wanted to get those guys on the field for the same amount. Jamal Williams, twelve carries for fifty nine yards, added two catches for twenty seven. Aaron Jones did have two touchdowns, but he had ten carries for only nineteen yards. Uh, Jamal Williams was on the field for sixty one percent of snaps. To Aaron Jones is thirty nine. And I'm going to be honest, Jamal Williams looked like the better running back in this game. He could find more space within his 12 carries. Aaron Jones lucked out with getting the two carries near the goal line. But I'm as an Aaron Jones owner, I'd be very worried right now. Christian, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm definitely worried. I don't like that split whatsoever. I think 
I don't think it should be 60-40 Williams. I think it should be 60-40 Jones, but what the hell do I know? Um, it's It seems like Williams is going to be on the field more often, and as a Jones owner, I'm actually wondering if I should maybe pick up Jamal Williams and have that uh, safety net if Jones starts getting less and less work. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, Jamal Williams probably isn't owned in a lot of leagues, and he probably should be. This is starting to turn into somewhat of a Broncos backfield where both of these guys possibly could be playable, but you can't – I don't know if you can necessarily trust either one as an RB2 right now. I know a lot of people drafted Aaron Jones to be an RB2. I don't know if that's going to happen if this is how the splits are going to be. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a bounce-back game, six catches for 99 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets, while Devontae Adams was bottled up, four catches for 56 yards, did catch all four of his targets. We will get into Devontae Adams a a little bit later in this pod, but I don't think I'm worried yet. I think Devontae Adams is too talented to continue to be shut down. I think eventually they are going to have to throw the ball more. Uh, the Packers have been on top of a, a decent amount for these three games. I do think that changes going forward. Moving on here to the Falcons and the Colts, Matt Ryan looked a lot better. 29 for 34, 304 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. And Devontae Freeman, I know we had talked about last week that this could be a breakout game for him. 16 carries for 88 yards and did add in three catches. Also, Ido Smith left the game with a concussion, so it was pretty much Devontae Freeman's backfield. I feel good about him. I think a lot of it was the matchup in the first two weeks versus the front sevens that the Falcons faced. I think he's going to continue to, to, continue to be productive, and I think he will find the end zone at some point. Um, Randy, how do you feel about Devontae Freeman? Do you think he's still got RB2 value? Yeah, I do. I, I think Ido being out, they may uh, smarten up and realize how good Freeman really is, but they're throwing the ball a ton. They like to throw the ball a ton. I, it's hard to tell. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, if Where Freeman can come in, obviously, is if he can get some of that passing work too. And he is a good pass catcher. Before his injury, he was used in that role with Atlanta, and I think he can continue to be that guy as the season goes on. Julio with another huge game, eight catches for 128 yards and the touchdown on nine targets. Uh, Calvin Calvin Ridley, one catch for six yards. Christian, I know you're a Ridley guy. Does that scare you, or is that just a one-off that you can just kind of brush off? I think it's probably a one-off. Uh, he did lose me a matchup this week. I started him over on Johnson in a flex, and – it did not work out for me. So I'm not happy with that, but I don't think it's going to continue to happen. Yeah, probably not. He he does seem like Matt Ryan's second option when they're not down on the goal line. Austin Hooper seems like one of the goal line guys for him. Six catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. In PPR, Austin Hooper's probably a top 12 tight end given the landscape. And I know Christian is ecstatic about that because all I heard all offseason from him was how good Austin Hooper was, and I didn't believe it. (laughs) Looking at the Colts, Marlon Mack, 16 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown, did add in two catches. I think he's a safe RB2 play. I know I was asked about a trade. Uh, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. He was offered Marlon Mack for Marquise Brown and the Cowboys defense, and he was the Saquon Barkley owner, so he's obviously out for a few weeks. Would that be something you guys would do? No. 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 See, I would. Um, it's a four, it's a 14 team league, uh, PPR and without Saquon, his other running backs were like Devonte Freeman. And I can't even remember the other one. So I think Max, a good stopgap. No, no, I thinking about it more. I think I would, cause I don't think I value Hollywood Brown that high in redraft. Agreed. Yeah. Like just like if it's just redraft, I think I would, because you're trading away a defense that you can you can stream defenses yeah, if right, you need exactly. yeah, for an RB two. So you're hypothetically yeah. just doing Mac for Brown. Well, yeah, it's it's like a wide receiver three in a defense for RB two. And and so I, yeah. I gotta do that. I think I would too. Um, T. Y. Hilton eight catches for sixty five yards and a touchdown on ten targets. Did leave the game with a quad injury. It seems like uh, Frank Wright came out and said that they want to treat this as a week to week thing. So they might not have T. Y. Hilton this week. 
that probably values the tight ends a little bit more. There's probably not another pass catcher in the receiving core for the Colts that you would want for week four, but that probably gives a little more value to Ebron or Doyle. Are you guys kind of on the same page? Let's let's uh, <laughs> I mean, one of the receiving targets is maybe one of my waiver wire pickups, but okay. <laughs> well, well, stay tuned and you'll hear all about it. <laughs> Just already told me I'm wrong. I love it. <laughs> if it's Pascal, I actually like him as a play this week. He had a pretty good game once Ty went out, um, and we don't really know what Jacoby Brissett's um, favorite target would be without Ty. So Christian, I, Christian, you got to give the listeners some suspense. I, well, I don't think it's Zach Pascal. It's That's not. Cool. I would pick up though. Well, it's not. Way to let the cat out of the bag. Moving on to Ravens and the Chiefs. This was a game that everybody thought would be a shootout. It was to an extent. Lamar Jackson did struggle. Completing passes, 22 for 43, only 267 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Did make up short with a 46 yard or with 46 yards rushing and a touchdown. And really, really quick, yeah. Sean, Lamar Jackson, I watched most of this game. Lamar Jackson was literally just sliding out to his right and flinging passes across the field. If he plays a good defense, because the Chiefs, while they're a great team, their defense is pretty freaking bad. Once he plays a good defense, that results in probably three to four interceptions, and the Lamar Jackson hype train stops, and I can't wait for it. I'm so happy for it. That's <laughs> pulling a baker. I like it. That's fair. <laughs> um, I do think everybody thought that Lamar Jackson was the best thing since sliced bread through the first two weeks, and you look at the team that he played through the first two weeks, and he didn't even look that great completing passes against Arizona. So uh, this was bound to happen. I understand it though, because he's the closest incarnation of Mike Vick. Yeah, since the rookie RG three. Right, and like, this is and look how and look how RG 3s career turned out. I'm yeah, not saying Lamar Jackson's on the same path, but I I, I agree no. with that. But this is yeah, it's exactly how it was for him for the first two or three weeks, and people were going mental. He kept it going. I don't think Lamar's going to keep it going every week. No, absolutely, and he gets the Browns at home on Sunday. Browns are hopefully going to have their secondary back. I say hopefully as a Browns fan. So that'll be an interesting test because the Browns front four is legit. It'll be interesting to see what he does against that defense. Uh, he stifled the Rams run. Yeah, yeah, they did, especially and and a backup uh, backup secondary played pretty well. But we'll get to that in a little bit here. Mark Ingram, 16 carries for 103 yards and three touchdowns. Also adding in four catches for 32 yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traded him away. Christian, since you're so excited, I'll ask you: Is he a top tier RB two? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think with how efficient he's been, and I, I believe a couple episodes ago I said he's not going to have that efficiency. I kind of think he will now. Um, he just looks so sharp. Um, the, Gus Edwards, I thought initially would be a threat because Gus Edwards is very talented, but. Mark Ingram looks like a legitimate RB2. It'd be tough to take him out of a lineup right now. Yeah, I agree. Even against, like we said, the Browns front four, who did kind of hold Ty Gurley in check, it's hard to want to sit him because if Jackson's going to struggle throwing the ball, obviously they're going to want to lean to him a little bit more. And I thought last week that he was kind of a touchdown-dependent running back, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. I might have misspoke with that too early. Excuse me, but he could he could be a guy that you plug and play every week. Pass catchers, no one really did anything. Hollywood Brown, two for forty nine. Uh, Mark Andrews was questionable going into the game with a foot injury. Only had three catches for fifteen yards on seven targets. He's going to be fine once he's healthy again. He should have a bounce back game next week. On the Chiefs side, Damian Williams was out with a knee injury, and Lashawn McCoy was limited in practice with an ankle injury. He did end up starting, but it was reported before the game that he had been lined up as the second running back uh, during pregame warmups to Daryl Williams. They thought Daryl Williams was going to be the starter. I'm not going to lie. I fell into that trap. I benched McCoy for Daryl Williams. It ended up working out okay. LaShawn McCoy did have two touchdowns. Um, for he had 54 yards and a touchdown on the ground, three catches for 26 yards and a touchdown on a screen pass. But Daryl Williams played 55% of the snaps to McCoy's 38, and Williams had nine carries for 62 yards and then five catches for 47. 
Daryl Williams looked good. If Damian Williams or McCoy are out for week four, Daryl Williams could be a guy you plug and play, and we'll get to that a little bit later as well. Pass catchers, Mikkel Hardman with the big 83-yard touchdown pass, two for 97 and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins was quiet again, only five catches for 64 yards. And then Demarcus Robinson, three for 43 and a touchdown. Guys, do you think that all three of those wide receivers are still every week plays? Christian, let's start with you. Um, I think you could just start the whole Kansas City offense most weeks and probably end up fine. I, I think that out of the three, I would definitely still lean Sammy Watkins. Um, and then probably Demarcus Robinson, then Miko, but it's a toss-up every week. It'd be difficult to determine who to start if you owned more than one of these guys. Yeah, the one thing about Meikle is one play can make your week with him where it's not necessarily true for Watkins or Robinson where Meikle can break off a touchdown like he did today and he's going to be he's going to finish top 20 in the wide receiver category. And then obviously Travis Kelsey, 7 for 89. He's an every week start. You don't ever have to ask any questions. Raiders and Vikings will be the next game we take a look at here. Josh Jacobs was sick going into the game and was suffering from a groin injury. Only had 10 carries for 44 yards. That hopes to get better if they start to use him in the passing game a little bit more. Darren Waller was a common waiver wire pickup through the first week or so. 13 catches for 134 yards on 14 targets. He is a locked and loaded tight end one. Could finish top five. That's Sean's honest opinion. Randy, how do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was watching the game. He was the only part of the game that was worth watching, really, other than Dalvin Cook. But, God, it was so hard. He, I, and he would have had more. Carr missed him a bunch of times. And he has yet to and he, he has yet to score a touchdown this year, right? Yeah. I don't believe he has. I, I believe it was the other – I can't remember his name right now. The other tight end had one week two, I think. Yeah, so I but, mean, just think of that production when he does get in the end, though. If if he can get six or seven touchdowns this year, he's going to be top five. Oh, absolutely. I just don't think he will. I think he's going to be top ten with like four touchdowns. Yeah, the nice thing about him is he's 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 Carr's safety valve, so he's someone that Carr's going to continue to look for. That production isn't going to go away. On the Vikings side, Dalvin Cook did hit 100 yards for the third straight game on 16 carries, 110 and a touchdown, added four catches for 33 yards, and was benched for the entire fourth quarter. So that's, as a fantasy owner, that's definitely something that you like to see. Uh, one thing to note, Alexander Madison is probably one of the most important handcuffs in fantasy. Christian, I know you're a big Madison guy. He did add in 12 carries for 58 yards and the touchdown. If you're a Cook owner, do you think that Madison could be a league winner, Christian? Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with Dalvin Cook's injury history, it's it's inevitable that he's going to go down for at least a game or two. And that could end up being around playoff time. So I think stashing Madison, honestly, Madison might be worthy of a flex play here soon. Um, if they keep running the ball like that, they're going to start spelling Cook a little bit more, seeing how Madison was productive in his time there. So I think that you should add him definitely as the Cook owner, but maybe as someone who doesn't own Cook as well. Yeah, you have you have to wonder if they're going to start to maybe take the load off of Cook a little bit because he hasn't had a full season or a healthy season yet and start to use Madison a bit more. Uh, Randy, what are your thoughts? I don't think so. I, I watched the game, obviously. Uh, it, I'm pretty sure he only had three or four carries before, like, end of third, fourth quarter. Like, they, they just spelled Cook after long runs. That was it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, obviously, as he gets more integrated in the offense, he's a rookie, he could get more touches. But in, unless it's a huge game script for them, I, I don't see him getting more than seven carries at best. Yeah, it probably remains to be seen what they want to do with Cook when it comes to keeping him fresh and hopefully healthy if they're trying to make a playoff run. So that's something to keep an eye on. But Alexander Madison, if you're a Cook owner, definitely go get him. Um, receiving core... Stephon Diggs, only three catches for 15 yards on three targets. Adam Thielen had three catches for 55 yards, did catch a touchdown pass, and added a one-yard run. For now, it looks like those receivers are going to be capped by Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has not been good. I know Christian isn't the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. Guy's a bum. 
Is anyone really? Is anyone really a huge Kirk Cousins fan? I think eventually he's going to have to throw more. So I, I I don't know what the I don't know what the ceiling is, but it's it's got to be better than this, man. This is bad. QB seven, like as in a QB seven, not the QB seven. Bum. Wow. I I I, I don't even have words. Moving I'd on. I'd rather here. have Kyle Allen than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Jets and the Patriots. The only Jets. The Patriots, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's, let's focus here. The only Jet really to talk about in this game was Le'Veon. 18 carries for 35 yards, added in four catches for 28. I know owners are probably going to start to panic, but Sam Darnold is making his way back. Bell will have more production once Darnold is back running that offense. So hold out for now. I know it's frustrating because you probably drafted him in a lot of leagues as your RB1. It day, Better days are to come for him. Patriots are the second best defense so far. Yeah. So don't be worried. Exactly. And looking at, and as, if you think about last week, he, the dude had a million catches for two yards, but the, the catches still play, obviously, if you're in a PPR league, which as you've heard before, you should be by now. Nobody should be in a standard league. Looking at the Patriots, Tom Brady. 28 for 42, 306, two touchdowns. The running backs are what to note here. Sony had nine carries for 11 yards, did score a touchdown. With no James White, Rex Burkhead added in 11 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown, also had six catches. Guys, who the hell do we trust out of this backfield? No one. Sony. Sony. I I hope, I'll tell you what, I hope Randy's right. I have a lot of Sony Michelle. Randy, defend your argument. What what else were the Jets gonna defend besides the freaking run? <laughs> they can't defend I whole passing game. They only have Jamal Adams and he's a box safety. He's in the run game. Yeah, yes and no. Sony's shown for a couple weeks now that he is extremely inefficient with his touches, and I think that's why he's not getting more touches. Granted, this was a lot of the game script. Um box when he had the ball well uh, i think it's something to keep an eye on i i think i think but i personally think better days are ahead and we'll get into that a little bit later it's line still iffy yeah still hurt that's true so i think that's definitely something to keep an eye on um passing game julian edelman did leave with a rib injury caught seven balls for 62 yards before that josh gordon six catches for 83 yards Philip Dorsett, the name to note there. And like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later also. Uh, Lions and the Eagles will be the next game we take a look at. Carryon Johnson did have 20 carries, but only had 36 yards. Did get a goal line TD. And I was watching that game when the Lions had the ball on the goal line. Um, Carryon Johnson was the guy out there. That's very good news for fantasy owners. And I think that doesn't change. I think he's the guy that they want in those situations. And those are going to come. He's going to be used more in the passing game. He only had one catch yesterday, but I think he's a very talented pass catcher. And Matt Patricia just hasn't used that yet. I think that's going to come. Marvin Jones with the 2019 breakout game, six catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay, a disappointing two for 17 on eight targets. I personally still think Galladay is the guy you want to own. I think this is just a bad game. He did have eight targets. Um, Randy, do you kind of agree that Galladay is going to have better days? Yeah, he will. They, I'm, especially thanks to Jones emerging, they just focused in on him. Yeah, they, they made sure Galladay wasn't going to beat him. Yeah, absolutely. And then T.J. Hawkinson. I know he was a big waiver wire pickup after Week One. This is now his second week that he struggled. Only one catch for one yard on four targets. He did catch a touchdown pass, but he was ruled to be out of bounds and did not establish himself back in. Keep him on your bench until he has another good week. I'd rather be too late on him than too early. On the Eagles side, Miles Sanders, 13 carries for 53 yards, added in two catches for 73 yards. He had a couple design passes that you could tell that he was running the wheel route. Christian, do you think Miles Sanders is a reliable RB2, or are you still looking at him as a flex play? I think the best he could be considered right now is a flex play. Um, I'd love to see him take those uh, goal line looks away from Jordan Howard because Jordan Howard is not a very talented running back. Um, Miles Sanders is clearly the best running back on this team. 
and I think he will get the work, but right now you can't really slide him in your RB2 because he, he could very well end up with three carries in a game. So I, I think it's risky to put him there. He, he should be an okay flex, though. Yeah, that's probably fair. Jordan Howard did have the short yardage touchdown, 11 carries for 37 yards. Um, Nelson Aguilar, big day, eight catches for 50 yards and two touchdowns on 12 targets. No Alshon Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson. Does sound like Alshon Jeffrey is trending towards playing on Thursday night, but it sounds like DJX might be out another week. So keep an eye on that. Nelson Aguilar maybe could be in a wide receiver three play as the second to Alshon Jeffrey. And then Zach Ertz, four for 64 on seven targets. He should be fine. Um, a lot of drops in the passing game for the Eagles. I think they're going to be okay. Carson Wentz looks okay. Panthers-Cardinals will be the next game we look at. Kyle Allen was the big story here. 19 for 26, 261 yards, and four touchdowns. Christian, is he a reliable streaming quarterback until Cam gets back? I wouldn't be shocked to see Cam sit out a little longer and the Panthers can actually win some games because – if I'm being honest, Kyle Allen looked significantly better than Cam has in the first two games. So I think that the Panthers are going to be super patient with Cam. Um, I would definitely stream Kyle Allen. The dude looked great in preseason, um, and he, he looked awesome. I know it was the Cardinals. I get it. But I I would have full confidence rolling him out as like a QB2. Yeah, he seems to have the trust of Ron Rivera. Rivera did come out today and say that Cam is probably going to be out week four, and he said he wants to give him all the time in the world to get healthy, not just to try to rush him back to get him on the field. It probably helps that Allen had a performance like that. Christian McCaffrey, a huge day, 24 carries for 153 yards and a touchdown. Did have a 76-yard uh, breakaway there. DJ Moore turned his one catch to a touchdown, and then Curtis Samuel, five for 53 and one. Are you, Randy, are you worried that Curtis Samuel may be the guy that Josh, or I'm sorry, Kyle Allen looks to, and DJ Moore is going to take his kind of be second fiddle? No, not necessarily. I think he was just thrown to the open guy. I mean, Samuel's the gadget guy. They were working to get him open. This is his first target heavier game. And uh, I would trust both of them, to be honest. It's just hard to decide. I, I don't assume Cam will be back until week six because they got the Texans. He's already ruled out for this week, I believe. And then next week they have the Jags. I don't think you tell Cam come back <laughs> nine not ready for the Jags. I think you just keep him out there and have him come back against the Bucks. Yeah, that's fair. Like I said, it sounded like Ron Rivera doesn't want to push him back any sooner. They probably want him to get healthy because obviously – People think he's kind of taking a step back, but I think he can still be the guy he has been. Um, Kyle Allen get hit for a few games. Yeah, that's that's fair. Looking at the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, 173 yards, two touchdowns, two picks through the air on 43 attempts. Did have eight runs for 69 yards, a very nice stat line. So it looks like he is starting to use his rushing ability a little bit. Uh, David Johnson, 11 for 37 on the ground, six for 28 and a touchdown through the air touchdown was kind of a broken play where he made two guys miss when Kyler threw across his body. Uh, Christian, do you think David Johnson's still a top five, top six running back? I think so. Um, I, I, that's tough for me because the, the Cardinals are not a very good offense, but the fact that they run so many plays and they line DJ up where he needs to be rather than where he was lined up last year. Um, I think you are going to see a lot of that receiving work. Um, and as Kyler gets, gets more used to the guys that he's working with and, and just the offense in general, I think DJ is going to be relied upon even more than he has been. Yeah, I think so too. He's definitely going to be a safety valve for Kyler. Also the, Redskins got to the 15-yard line, couldn't score a touchdown, and missed the field goal, so I want to die. <laughs> and Re Really quick, before we move on, Kyler Murray had 173 yards, and he had 43 attempts. That is not good. Not good whatsoever. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, that's true. I guess I didn't realize that when kind of looking quickly at the stat line. 
with with DJ as a great running back, and then you have Fitz and Kirk both looking great. If you're doing that bad, there's a problem. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk, ten catches for only fifty nine yards, and then Fitz five for thirty six and a touchdown. They're probably both wide receiver twos based on the volume that they're going to get, especially in PPRs. Uh, obviously, if Christian Kirk is going to pull in 10 catches, that's something that you'll want to roll with every week. Giants and the Buccaneers, next game on the docket here. Everybody loves to talk about Daniel Jones, and it's pretty warranted. 23 for 36, 336 yards, two touchdowns through the air, added four carries for 28 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, did leave the Giants lead the Giants to their best comeback since 1970. Everybody's going to overreact to this game. Looking at you, Christian. But yeah. is Daniel Jones a viable quarterback for fantasy? I think it's too early to tell. Right. Randy, what do you think? Uh, I don't think you want me to talk on the issue. <laughs> I, I think Daniel Jones is crap. So well, yeah. we, put uh, it, we put it bluntly here on the cut, guys. I see. I I think that Buccaneers defense is underrated. Yeah, they gave up a lot of points to the Niners, but I mean their pass rush is solid. Daniel Jones was looking off receivers. He ran in two touchdowns. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I, I will go on record and say that I thought Daniel Jones was crap too. Um, I scolded the Giants for picking him where they did, but I don't think he's not talented enough i guess i i think he he'll do just fine i think he's going to struggle now that saquon's out but um once saquon's back i think that daniel jones could be a, a streamable quarterback I'll, I'll be fair here because i'm fair in our talks christian he does have talent i mean i think we both rated him as like a mid to low second round talent coming out yeah i mean he can play but he's way overdrafted he's on a crap team they have a pretty good O-line. That's the only saver for him. And he can throw to Everett Ingram, which I'm happy about. But Saquon's out. They have, I think they go Redskins, then Vikings, then like Patriots. They don't have a good schedule coming up without Saquon. I wouldn't be streaming him. He's going to throw a ton. Don't get that wrong. But he's he's going to throw some picks. Yeah, no Saquon. Did leave the game with a high ankle sprain. Expected to miss six to eight weeks. Wayne Gallman is probably the guy you want to take a note of. I don't know if He's necessarily going to be a RB2, but he's definitely someone you might want to pick up. Sterling Shepard, seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. And as Randy said, Evan Ingram, six for 113 and one on eight targets. He is yeah. the tight end one through in fantasy through the first three weeks. And with Daniel Jones, I don't think that's going to change. I think that's he's going to be Jones' safety valve. Uh, Buccaneers, uh, Jameis was much better this week, 23 for 37. 380 yards, three touchdowns. Mike Evans went absolutely nuts, specifically in the first half. Eight for 190 yards and three touchdowns, and he had 15 targets. Chris Godwin kind of took a back seat with three catches for 40 yards. Christian, are still are these guys able to sustain wide receiver two to wide receiver one value each week, or is it going to be one of these guys goes off, one of them doesn't, like we've seen through the first three? Um, I, I kind of think that it's going to lean more towards the latter. I think they both have the talent to be wide receiver twos or a wide receiver one, one of them, um, in the same week. I just don't think that Jameis has the talent to get them both the ball. Um, so I think it's, it's worrisome as the Mike Evans owner because they overcorrected to get Mike Evans the ball and they still ended up losing. So I think they might retract back to, okay, well, Godwin got us some wins when he was getting the ball. Um, looking Godwin's way four times is just inexcusable. The dude's so talented. I get that Evans was going off, but I, I think they both need to see more target volume. Yeah, and, and, he, threw, and he threw the ball 37 times too. That's one thing you want to note there. O.J. Howard, three catches for 66 yards on four targets. He's still a tight end one given the landscape, and we'll get into him a little bit later as well. Houston and San Diego is – I'm sorry, Los Angeles. I don't know how I did that. Wow. <laughs> Made the cardinal mistake. I did. I apologize to you Chargers fans. 
Deshaun Watson had a good second half, 25 for 34, 351 yards and three touchdowns. And the one thing to note here, and I will continue to say it until I'm blue in the face, Duke Johnson, four touches in the game. He's droppable. Suck it, Christian. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, he's talented. I don't get it. I've said it before. I'll, I'll never get it. But, yeah, drop him. I don't care. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Like, you're going to drop him for a handcuff that you hope some stud gets hurt in week eight? Dude, yeah, he had four it. touches in a game that they oh, were trailing the entire first half. It's way, it way more likely Carlos Hyde tears his knee than Dalvin. Yeah, Cooper. they'll probably go pick up somebody else because they clearly don't value Duke Johnson. Yeah, they'll, actually, they'll actually probably get yeah. <laughs> They'll trade for Kalen Balazs. They'll get Kenny Drake for a seventh-round pick. <laughs> uh, nothing really to note in the passing game. Two of Deshaun Watson's three touchdowns came to some guy named Jordan Aikens. Um, he's, I believe he's the starting tight end, but you don't need to pick him up. I, it was two broken plays, and it helps Deshaun Watson, but don't pay attention to anything else. On the Chargers side, the Los Angeles Chargers. Philip Rivers, 31 for 46, 318 yards and two touchdowns. Keenan Allen had 13 catches for 183 yards, two touchdowns on 17 targets. That's an unbelievable number in itself. Him and Mike Evans together, if you had them, you probably won your fantasy week. Mike Williams, three catches for 45 yards on seven targets after sitting out last week. Not much to note with either of the running backs. There wasn't really much production either way. But I think Mike Evans is going to be a viable wide receiver three once he has a full week of practice. Steelers 49ers will be the next game we take a look at. Christian Shane Falco of the week, Mason Rudolph, was not good. 14 for 27, 174 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He did get saved by a long touchdown pass to Juju. I'll tell you what, with James Conner James Conner only having 13, 13 carries for 43 yards and Juju salvaging his day with the 76-yard touchdown but having two catches for five yards otherwise, I'm deathly afraid of this Steelers offense without Roethlisberger. Randy, how do you feel? Unfortunately, same. I, I was fearful of Juju coming into the year. That's why I don't have him on any teams. Uh, Conner I obviously liked, but... Uh, the line isn't up to their usual par. They're losing people left and right. I, I just, I, I, it's one of the, it's, it should be one of our tilt discussions on Connor, but it's not. Maybe we'll do a sell later this week or something, but I'm very worried. Yeah, I I don't have any shares of Connor and you do. I'm feeling, do you I don't, I do not. <laughs> and going into the year, I was a little disappointed. I wasn't able to get Juju, but now, I, I don't think Mason Rudolph is the answer, and I don't think he's going to help out Juju at all. I know it worked well when he came into the game week two, but let me let me just say I have all three of those guys: Rudolph, Juju, and Connor in a dynasty league. So I am crapping my pants right now. <laughs> you're, you're literally about to trade Connor. So yeah, yes, I am. And then yeah. one other thing to note for the Steelers: Vance McDonald was injured and left the game, but only had one catch for ten yards. I think he's going to be looked at. Mason Rudolph needs is going to have to throw to somebody. I think McDonald's probably the guy there, so I don't think that's a big issue. And we'll have to see if they get it going next week at home against the Bengals. If they don't, then they're in for a heap of trouble. On the Niners side, uh, Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida had decently similar production. Mostert, 12 carries for 79 yards. 14 carries for 68 yards for Brita. Brita added in two catches for 20 yards. Jeff Wilson with the two red zone touchdowns, much to the dismay of Randy and Christian and everybody else that owns either Brita or Mostert. And Kyle Shanahan came out today and said that he thinks Tevin Coleman has a good chance to be back next week. That probably completely downgrades Mostert. Brita may have a little bit of value still, but I think when Coleman gets back, Coleman's the number one option out there. Really quick, Sean. Do you think that um, Jeff Wilson stays the goal line back, even with Tevin Coleman back? I, that's a good question. I don't because I think, I like I said, you and I have had this conversation uh, before the season. I'm kind of following the money a little bit. They did sign Tevin Coleman in the offseason. I think they did that for a reason. I think Coleman's going to be the guy that uh, on the goal line because they're not going to have 
four active running backs on game day. That's that's just not going to happen. And I think Wilson's probably the guy that gets demoted back to the practice squad because that's how they started the season. So yeah. Yeah. Col- Coleman coming back is going to hurt Mostert, most of all. Yeah. I, as you guys both know how heavy I am in the pride of loving Brita, but mm-hmm. or, or Wendell Brown, as I've already nicknamed him, Sleeper. To, if you don't know that reference, he's the – African-American running back from Varsity Blues that got to carry the ball all over the field but never got in the end zone because <laughs> his coach wouldn't let him in. Yeah, that is obviously <laughs> not racist. Well, I, I guess I don't know him personally and all, but <laughs> it's oh, it hurts. It hurts. Because he, he deserves to have had four touchdowns this year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, George Kittle, six catches for 57 yards on seven targets. He's still going to be okay. The Niners have a bye week four, so make sure you get them out of your lineups. Saints Seahawks, Teddy Bridgewater, 19 for 27, 177 yards and two touchdowns. And this was the all Alvin Kamara all the time in week three. 16 carries for 69 yards, another nice stat line and a touchdown. He added in nine catches for 92 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets through the air. I think the worries of him and Michael Thomas under Bridgewater that we had going into week three are now gone. Michael Thomas had five for 54 and a touchdown on seven targets. This Saint off this Saints offense hopefully can sustain fantasy relevance with Bridgewater out, or I'm sorry, with Bridgewater in there with Breeze out. If you have Jared Cook, for the love of God, drop him. He one catch for seven yards. Don't roster him. On the Seahawks side, Russell Wilson had a career high passing attempts, 32 for 50, 406, and two touchdowns. Had seven. Had seven carries for 51 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Had the definition of a garbage time touchdown to Will Disley on a untimed down where the Seahawks had no way to win that game. He hit Disley on a five-yard out. That was interesting. Butterfingers Chris Carson, as I like to call him, 15 for 53 yards and one catch, but he had a fumble that very well may have cost the Seahawks the game. Christian, I know you're a Chris Carson truther. Are you worried? No, um, I don't think that he's going to keep fumbling. I said that last week, and then he fumbled, uh, so I might be sticking my foot in my mouth right now. But I just I can't see how they can keep running him out there if he does fumble this week. If he fumbles this week, oh, you just I you have to trade him. Uh, Honestly, Penny would be the the starting running back at that point, and Carson might not ever see the field the rest of the year other than a spell Penny. So I think he's got to have a big game this week. I'm timid to put him in my lineup, but I have to because I drafted him as my second or third running back. Um, So I don't don't know. I'm not super concerned, but I'm hesitant to say that. Yeah, if you're a Chris Carson owner, I think you want to do whatever you can to acquire Rashad Penny. You may have to overpay a little bit, but this is a problem. Rashad Penny wasn't active week three. Um, CJ Procise ended up getting the carries once Carson fumbled, but you want to have Rashad Penny on your team. Only other thing to note here, Tyler Lockett had a huge 11 for 154 and a touchdown on 14 targets. He is definitely volume-based. A lot of people were worried about that going into the year because he didn't really have a lot of volume last year. It was all touchdowns. That shouldn't be an issue going forward. Last game we'll take a look at was the Sunday night game between the Browns and the Rams. Jared Goff looked like road Jared Goff, 24 for 38, 269 yards, did have two touchdowns but threw two picks. Both of them were to Cooper Cup, who had 11 catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns and apparently was invisible when it came down to the goal line for the Browns' backup secondary. Uh, the, the one thing to note, Todd Gurley, only 14 carries for 43 yards. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Part of that might have been that the Browns' front four is nothing to joke about. But, Randy, is there some panic for him right now? No. I, I honestly think this is what we should have expected. Every, all I've heard this whole season is Gurley, we should be worried because he's only going to get half the work. But if you look at the actual statistics, I think he said about a 5% drop of carries and maybe like an 8% drop of snaps. Yeah. But this is this is exactly what they, they said they were going to ease off of just a little. Yeah, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that I, it I didn't seem like Malcolm Brown was on the field for very long. No, I don't, I don't know Malcolm Brown snaps. I know the week two snaps, it was only 
up to that point, compared to 2018, I think it was about a 4% drop from last year for carries. And then, obviously, he had two weeks between up to week three that he had 20-plus carries last year. He would have had 20 carries if he could have had some running lanes this week. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm really not. The Redskins no. just turned the ball over for the third time. <laughs> By the way, I, I also want to point out, I forgot in our Dynasty League, I'm facing Lesh, who has Montgomery and the Bears defense. And guess why I am losing? Yeah, is the Bears yeah. Defense. it's not fun. It's not fun, Randy. <laughs> no, it's not. Jason, I'm sure you're going to listen to this at some point. I'm probably not coming to work tomorrow. Oh, they have like 20 <laughs> plus points right now. What the yeah. heck is going on? Looking at the Brown side, uh, Mayfield struggled. Part of it was play calling. Part of it was him. 18 for 36, 195, and one, and then one pick at the end of the game. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, Nick Chubb, 23 carries for 96 yards, added four catches on seven targets for 35 yards. That's definitely, uh, if you're a fancy owner, that's something that's very positive. Uh, you hope that Nick Chubb can get some passing work going forward. He did have a touchdown called back due to a penalty. Um, he, he should have had a touchdown in the, under a minute of the game. Uh, I don't know how Freddie Kitchens just doesn't get the ball to him. Uh, he's probably still a top 12 running back once this Browns offense gets figured out, and I do think it will. Uh, Odell Beckham, 6 for 56 on nine targets, and then Jarvis Landry, 3 for 62. So that'll do it for our week three recaps. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go through uh, our worthy waivers of the week. We'll go ahead here and get into our worthy waivers of the week. I'm going to go ahead and start. The first guy I think you should look for on the waiver wire going into week four is Philip Dorsett. With no Antonio Brown, Dorsett's going to play in all three wide sets. The Patriots are running a lot more of those with no Rob Gronkowski, not really a viable tight end. Tom Brady trusts him. He's already looked for two touchdowns. Two Dorsett in the two weeks that Brown hasn't played, I think Dorsett could definitely be a wide receiver three. Oh uh, yeah, another. I'll go another guy, uh, Goldman, the most obvious of the week. If Saquon's going to be out up to eight weeks, he's not going to be good, but he's better than Kenyon Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty true. Uh, I'll go ahead with my first one. Um, speaking of Dolphins, Preston Williams is a must-add. Um, you and Preston Williams. Dude, he scored 10 points three straight weeks, 10 or more points, excuse me. Um, he looks like the clear number one option for quite clearly the worst team in the NFL. But, I mean, Josh Rosen is in at quarterback now. We could see an uptick in targets for Preston Williams, and he's going to make the most out of him because he's a baller. I mean, somebody's got to do something. There's no way that offense can't not score for the rest of the season. Mark my word, Preston Williams is going to score a touchdown this week. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Williams is going to be a my guy for me next year, just so Christian can't because it's my guy first. Anyways, <laughs> my second guy to look at is kind of dependent on the injury reports for the first few days of practice. Is Daryl Williams? He did look good when he was in the game on Sunday. If McCoy re McCoy did re-injure his ankle, Damian Williams didn't practice all week. If one of the, like I said before, if one of those two guys are limited or out, Daryl Williams could definitely be an RB2 because you basically want every part of that Andy Reid offense. Keep an eye out for Daryl Williams. If McCoy or Darian, Damian Williams misses time, plug Daryl Williams into your lineup. Yeah, keep going here. Paris Campbell. That's what we talked about earlier. Hilton's banged up, might not play. Funchess is out for the year. Campbell, they only have like three of the receivers like in total, including Campbell, he's going to get looks this week. If he gets enough, if he gets six or seven catches, they're going to realize how great he is. And he's got Oakland this week and Chiefs next week. Yeah. That, I See, I would have went Zach Pascal because of recency bias, but I feel that. Yeah, but recency bias, and he also might be the guy lined up on the outside as the receiver one. So yeah. he's the only one going to get focused while Paris Campbell is the gadget as well. He's got more production value at least. Yeah, I could see it for sure. Uh, so my last worthy waiver is Will Disley. We just talked about him, how he had the garbage time touchdown. It wouldn't have mattered. He still would have ended up um, probably a top 15, 16 tight end this week. I think he would have had 10 or 11 points without that touchdown. Um, he looks like – a guy that Russell Wilson is relying on a lot more. 
and if the Seahawks are going to be passing the ball, and if Chris Carson keeps fumbling the ball, they're going to keep passing the ball. So Will Disley is the only red zone target they have. Um, I guess yeah. I guess DK Metcalf. Yeah, Metcalf's almost bigger. Yeah, but Will Disley's better. And so, Disley has shown already this year that he's the guy that Russell Wilson's looking to in the red zone. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on Will Disley. So that'll do it for our worthy waivers of the week. We're going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go through our last segment here, to tilt or not to tilt. Stay tuned. Welcome back to our last segment. It's going to be to tilt or not to tilt. We're going to run through a couple names here, and we're each going to give our opinions on if we should adjust expectations, possibly look to move some of these guys that haven't really had the production that we've wanted to see through the first three weeks. I'm going to go ahead and start with Baker Mayfield. I know that a lot of people have watched him through the first three weeks, and he has not been good. The play calling hasn't been good. I don't think you should get rid of him just yet. I know that these next few games are going to be tough. They see the... Ravens, the Niners, the Patriots, the Seahawks, but the back end of Baker's schedule is very easy, and I think he's going to put up QB1 numbers. Hold on to him for now. If you can pick up somebody to stream in the next couple weeks, fine, but keep Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I I don't think he's droppable for where you probably had to draft him. Um, So you've got to keep him. Even if he's sitting on your bench and you're starting Kyle Allen over him, uh, then that's what you have to do. Yeah, the only thing I would add is if you're like in a two QB league and you're possibly looking like maybe I could trade him for an upgrade. Your only upgrade really is Mahomes or Watson. I mean, there's not really an upgrade there. Now, I, if someone offers you like Wentz in a position need for you, maybe. But other than that, I'm keeping him. Yeah, so I'll I'll actually head into our next guy. I'm going to talk about Stefan Diggs um, in our show doc. I wrote a lot of profanity because I am very angry at Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's lost me three straight matchups in a row. I don't think I'm looking to trade him, but I am definitely not starting him. If you have any uh, lateral uh, secondary option, so say, say you do have a Calvin Ridley or someone like that, Put him in instead of Stefan Diggs. I, I, I tinkered with maybe dropping this guy this week, and that's unheard of. So I, I needed to calm down and realize that Stefan Diggs is probably going to be fine, um, and I'm not tilting just yet. Yeah, no one that you can get for the value that you're going to get for Diggs has the upside of Stefan Diggs, so hold tight for right now. Yeah, the the only way you would be able to trade him is if you found we obviously all three of us know his talent and believe in him, so we expect better things. So if you find someone else that expects better things, maybe you could pair him with an RB three, maybe trade up from Diggs. But that's the only way you're trading him. Absolutely. All right, yeah, I'm gonna go to the next one. Sony Michelle. I already talked about later. Please don't tilt. Please don't tilt. <laughs> if you're gonna trade him. You're gonna end up trading for nothing, and you're gonna you're gonna be mad when he's down the stretch. They ride him down the stretch. Bill always helps Brady out for the playoffs by lowering his passing attempts. They're gonna ride him, and you're gonna trade him, and he's gonna end the year with 15 touchdowns. That is the hill I will die on this season. I swear to God, <laughs> he's getting 15 touchdowns. And the dude is just too talented to not beat out Rex Burkhead and James White for carries. He's just way too talented for that. We saw it in the playoffs last year. They drafted him in the first round. He's going to get better. Trent, Trent Richardson was good his rookie year. How'd that oh, turn get out? out of here. I'm just saying, man. I, Sony does not look good this year. Don't you, he looks good. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I, I, I would probably tilt trade him right now. Oh, they used Burkhead because they were only rushing four when Burkhead was in the backfield. So Yeah. Randy and I's comments do not agree with Christian, and that usually happens. Yeah, and then, it does. And then I'm we do, right. not con- we do not condone that. So the last guy I'll talk about here is OJ Howard. He did have a decent week in week three. I don't think you should tilt trade him or adjust any kind of expectations. Bruce Arians is going to figure out how to utilize a talented tight end that he never had in Arizona. 
And I think that James is going to have to continue to pass because there really is no running game to speak of in Tampa Bay. Big numbers are coming for Howard. He's just too damn talented to not get the ball and not perform. Yeah, don't don't trade. Don't trade. You're not going to get value for Howard. Keep him there. Uh, me and Christian have both said get a second tight end. If you're willing to ride him to see all you can get for up until week six, pick up Herndon. If you only want to wait one more week, maybe pick up Watson from the Patriots. He's coming back from the suspension. He's a better tight end than they have in the roster right now. Maybe they look at him more. Who knows? Yeah, I yeah. agree. So that'll do it for our to tilt or not to tilt. The last thing we want to talk about here is the Fantasy Voices podcast. We talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Fantasy Voices is a spinoff of the Voice of the Land podcast hosted by our good buddy and friend of the show, Kevin Arnold. On that podcast, you'll hear the guys talk about their own fantasy experiences in various leagues and give start and sit advice. Subscribe to them on Spotify as well as Apple and Google Podcasts and follow them on Twitter at VTL underscore pod. So that'll do it for our week three recap. Christian, Randy, you guys got anything to add before we get out of here? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Big nope. Great, great input from Christian. <laughs> well, no, I, no, nothing else to add here. Just hopefully we get back to you a little later on this week. Maybe we can get our actual DFS show out this week. Yeah, definitely look for the DFS show. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast I had family in town, so that's why we weren't able to record this past week. But uh, we will be recording that probably Saturday, so look for it Sunday morning as you're setting up your lineups. And, and maybe this week you can hear all the tinkering we do, <laughs> so you can not do the tinkering and actually win because we decided against using Aguilar and a couple other guys that and Tony Pollard used. Ugh. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that as well as be on the lookout for our week four preview. We should have that coming later in the week. Uh, for I'm going to go cry in a corner because the Redskins offense is garbage. For Christian Williams, Randy Hall, I'm Sean Ward. We'll see you guys next time. We gone. We gone.